on, it's Easter. Easter is a time to celebrate, is it not? Like, we celebrate every weekend. We should always be celebrating the empty tomb. But Easter is a time when we really, 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 really focus in on the fact that the tomb is empty. And because the tomb is empty, life change is possible. Amen? Like, like, like seriously, 2000, think about this. 2022 years ago, Jesus Christ, like, literally split time in half because of this event, Easter. Do you, do you, do you understand that? Like, this is the most significant event that's ever happened in the history of the world is the resurrection. Direction. When we say 2022, it's like 2022 from what? This event, this this right here. When God invaded earth, came to earth in the form of a human, died on the cross for our sins so we could go to heaven, rose again on the third day to prove that he was who he said he was. And today, billions of people around the world are celebrating Easter. Why did he do it? Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus die on the cross? And why did he get up and walk out of the grave? Well, the most famous verse in the Bible is John three sixteen that says, God so loved the world that whosoever, whosoever, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. He says, whoever, everybody say whoever. And now say, that means me. Now look at your neighbor and say, that means you. Some of you are like, ah, not you though, not you. Like, me? I don't know about you, right? Whoever, that's all of us. Whoever believes in him, that's Jesus Christ. So whoever believes in who? Jesus Christ. So if I believe in Jesus Christ, if you believe in Jesus Christ, will not perish, but have everlasting life. That that means don't, or that means don't go to hell. That means we get to go to heaven. That's a pretty good deal, right? Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus endured the cross. And that's why he got up and he walked out of the grave so that we could have a relationship with God in heaven so we could live eternally with him. That's the best news on the planet. I was reading the other day, though, um, I read this article that said 80% of Americans say, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe he was who he said he was. And, And that sounds awesome, doesn't it? Like, that sounds like a great number. That sounds like, man, that's why we have so many churches and everybody's a believer and everything's great. But not everybody who claims to be a believer in Jesus Christ is a true believer. Did you know that? In fact, Matthew chapter 7, verse 21, Jesus says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not everyone. Not all the people who come to me and say, Lord, Lord. Not all of them who call me Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only the ones who do the will of my Father in heaven will get in. What's he saying? He's saying, you can't tell a true believer just by their words. Just because they talk the talk doesn't mean they walk the walk. You know what I'm saying? He's saying, you can meet people who talk like heaven and live like hell. You ever ever met any of those people? Heck, I used to be one of those people before I fully committed my life to Jesus. Maybe you did too. What he's saying is, You've got to look at what people, not not at what people say, and not at what people think, not even what people feel, but you've got to look at what people do to see what they really believe. Because as we say around here all the time, what you believe determines how you behave. In fact, he goes on to say, if you're a true believer, it's going to change your life. It's going to change the way you act. James chapter 2 verse 14 says this, If people say they have faith, but they do nothing, then their faith is worth nothing. Can faith like that save them? Can it? 
Uh Uh-uh. The answer is no, it can't. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the resurrection changes everything. See, because of the resurrection and because of Jesus inside of us, he literally changes us. Not only that, but he can help us through things we didn't think were possible. Because of Jesus Christ inside of us, we can have hope in the middle of hopeless circumstances. We can have peace in the middle of a storm. Because he lives, we can live. And the resurrection is the hope that we have. I'm excited about Easter. How about you? Yeah, anyway, cool. Matthew 28, verse 1 says this. We just saw this in this video. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary. How would you like to be known as that? Who are you? I'm the other Mary. That's, that's me. I'm just the other one. Man, I think the Bible's super funny sometimes. Anyway, the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now this verse right here, I was reading through this the other day and I just couldn't stop thinking about the uncertainty that surrounded this event. And and we all know uncertainty, right? We've all had to deal with uncertainty. Have we not? Everybody in here knows what it's like to be in an uncertain situation. For example, how many of you are parents? How many of you are parents? Remember when you brought your first kid home from the hospital? Remember when that baby was born and they released the baby to you and you've got all of these expectations and all of this anticipation and all of this excitement and then you get in the car and you start driving and me, I was 10 and 2, like the whole way and, and I'm looking, I'm judging other drivers who are speeding. Now listen, I'm a speeder by nature, right? And so, but I'm looking at everybody else, I'm writing down license plates of people who didn't come to a complete stop, like first kid? You're driving good. That's only true for the first kid, right? The second or third kid, you put them on top of the car and you get in. You're just hoping they're there by the time you get home, right? Like I walked into the house with Chloe, my daughter, for the first time. And I'm holding her and I walk in and she made a noise. And I went, dear God, there is not a nurse to come take care of this thing. Like this is... This is on me. God, what are you thinking? You put this on me? Like, this is crazy. Like, I don't even have what it takes. There was uncertainty in that situation. Maybe you understand that. Maybe, maybe you're a newlywed or you're getting ready to get married and there's uncertainty. Can I even pull this thing off? Maybe you've been married for 10, 15, 22 years. Um, and you're wondering, can I do this? There's uncertainty in situations in life. When we have kids, there's uncertainty on how they're going to turn out. You don't know how your job's going to go. We can make a huge huge list here of things, but the point is all of us understand and have dealt with in some way, shape, form, or fashion uncertainty in our lives. This is an uncertain situation. This is an uncertain time in this text. They don't really know what's going on. Their leader has been killed, but don't miss this. Uncertainty reminds us that we can't live without Jesus. Uncertainty, I'll show you this from this text in a minute. Uncertainty reminds us that we can't live without Jesus. See, see, one of the biggest lies that we've ever been told in the church, in the church, in the church, and we've been told this for years and years and years and years, is God will never give you more than you can handle. You ever heard that? You ever heard that? You ever said it? Don't, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Stop it. Like, knock it off. Stop, stop saying it. Because it's not true. The Bible says that we will not be tempted 
beyond what we can bear. But if God, think about this. If God did not allow from time to time uncertainty and fear and worry and trials and tribulations to well up in our lives, how in the world would we ever recognize our need for a savior? Why would the empty tomb matter to us? Why? But because he lives, we can overcome. In this text right here, the Bible says after the Sabbath, Mary and the other Mary, they went to the tomb. See, they they saw Jesus crucified on Friday. They saw it. On Saturday, though, they had to sit through what is called the Sabbath. By law, on the Sabbath, they had to rest. They couldn't go anywhere. They couldn't they couldn't do anything. They had to they had to sit in the silence of Saturday to wait on Sunday to where they could actually go and do something. And in that silence of Saturday, they were fearful. They were worried. They were incredibly uncertain. And don't judge them because you would have been too. Listen, we believe in the resurrection because we've read about the resurrection. But they were living it. They were actually living in it. They had never seen anybody pull this off, ever. I mean, Jesus had told them about it. The scriptures are clear. There's five times where Jesus told them, hey, the son of man is going to be betrayed and he's going to be killed and he's going to be put into a tomb. But don't worry, on the third day, I'm coming back. Like he told them that on five separate occasions, but they didn't 100% believe them. Would you? If somebody told you that, would, would you believe them? You'd be like, whatever, man. No, that, that, that just, that just doesn't happen. And so in, on Saturday, they had to sit in the silence of their situation and wait. And maybe that's where you are in life right now. Maybe you're at a place in your life where you've seen God move in the past. You've watched God do some pretty amazing things. And, and you think, well, maybe God could do something in my situation right here. Um, maybe, but I'm just not sure. And so today, right now, you're sitting in the silence of Saturday. But don't miss this. In this story, the mundaneness of Saturday led to the miracle on Sunday. And so maybe if you're in a fearful, worryful, uncertain situation in your life right now, maybe God's getting ready to do something in your life that is absolutely going to blow your mind. And he just wants you to hold on to the silence of Saturday so you can experience the miracle of Sunday. Mary and the other Mary... I'm not, I'm not sure this happened, but I can kind of see it happening in my mind. They were uncertain and they didn't know what to do. The only thing they did know what to do was the constant that had been in their life for the past several years was go to Jesus. Just go to Jesus. They, they just said, hey, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I know he's dead, but let's just go to the last place that we saw him. And let's go to the last place where we, where we were with him and, and let's just go and let's just worship him. And on their way back to the last place that they saw him, a miracle happened. Watch this. Verse two. There was a violent earthquake for an angel Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. Now every time I read through this I laugh because the angel the angel rolls back this this stone and then doesn't go anywhere. He just sat down. Like he didn't fly off to try to help somebody else. He just jumped up on top of the stone and I just see him with his arms crossed, his legs kicked back and just just chilling, waiting to watch the greatest event in the history of the world. Because that's what's about to happen. Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, is about to get up 
and walk out of the tomb and completely change the rest of eternity by overcoming the grave. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having a front row seat to something like that? I, I, I can imagine God and telling the angel like, hey man, I got some great seats to a really good show for you. you do you want them? I don't know, man, what's gonna happen? My son's gonna come back to life. Sweet, I think I'll take those, right? I, I'd like to watch that. Rolls back the stone and just jumps up there and just sits. Front row seat to a miracle. I have people say all the time, Ryan, I wish God did miracles today like he did in the Bible. I believe he does. I believe that he does. And and we've seen it. We've seen it around here. We've seen addicts be set free, marriages healed, students take different routes in life. We've seen people receive Jesus and literally cross over from death to life. We have seen life change that only Jesus Christ can bring. We get to be on the front row seat of a miracle. And, And I love that because God set the whole thing up for the angel and for us. The Bible goes on to say in verse four, I absolutely love this. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Everybody in this room has fears. Everybody. Every once in a while, you'll hear a guy, oh, I'm scared of nothing. You are. Stop lying. You're afraid of something. For, for instance, let's go through some fears. A- anybody in here afraid of lightning? Anybody? A couple people afraid of lightning? Years ago, um, I had a construction company, and there was a guy, I'll say his name because I don't even know if he's alive anymore. He probably wouldn't watch this anyway. Um, his name is Kevin. And Kevin was terrified of lightning. And the reason why Kevin was terrified of lightning is because Kevin had been struck by lightning three times. Three times. Anybody ever know anybody that's been struck by lightning one time? Uh, okay. You know anybody has been struck by lightning three times? Kevin, three times. Kevin could sense a storm. He was better than any meteorologist. And so we'd be in the middle of a job, we'd be working, we'd we'd be like, we'd be laying block and brick, and all of a sudden Kevin would get up and he'd just run for the car. And when Kevin ran for the car, we knew our work day was over because there was a big bad storm coming. It was crazy. Lightning. How about spiders? Anybody afraid of spiders? Anyone? Spiders? I'm not really afraid of spiders, but I know people are. Mice? This is my big one. Mice? How many of you afraid of mice? Me, terrified, absolutely terrified. How about bat? How about a flying mouse? Anybody afraid of that? Anybody? L- let me tell you a story about bats. This was not in the sermon, but it, but I made it into the sermon last last night. And so I'm going to tell you again today. Last Tuesday, about one o'clock in the morning, I hear Ryan, Ryan, hey, hey, hey. And I'm like, hey. I'm just saying, just keeping it real. And Mary says, no, I think there's a bat in our room. I'm like, what do you mean there's a bat in our room? She's like, I think there's a bat in the room. Well, number one, how can you hear a bat? Like, how, like, how do you even know? Like, you think there's a bat. Like, there's either, and, and so we're going through this whole thing, and I turn on the light, and sure enough, there's a bat flying around our bed. I did what any man would do. I got up and I ran took off, slammed the door behind me, and kept the bat locked in the room with my wife. And then I went and got my dog. My dog, Izzy. This is Izzy right here. Izzy is like a maniac 
bat kill. Izzy kill anything. Like Izzy just don't even care. But she loves to kill bats. Some of you are like, how do you know? We've had that many bats in our lives or in our house that Izzy kills them. And so I'm like, Izzy, there's a bat. And she jumps up from her dead sleep and she's, and takes off. I open the door and I slam the door shut. Well, I hear Izzy in there, and Izzy's barking, and Izzy's going nuts, and then in comes my other dog, Zeno. Zeno is just like, I'm just here to party. Like, that's it, man. So he comes out, and he just wants in. He just wants to see what's going on. He just wants to have some fun. And so I open the door, and he goes in there, and he's just running around. Izzy's barking, and Zeno's like, are we going to play? 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 And then... This idiot shows up on the scene. His name is Titus. He's a coon hound. Does anybody in here have a coon hound? Anybody want a coon hound? Anybody ever heard a coon hound in real life? You ever heard one in real life? Not on TV. Not on one of my Snapchat videos. Not on anything. Have you ever seen one in action? So this idiot once in. And so I open the door and I let him in. And when I, when I let him in, I see that bat still flying around. And Izzy's on the bed running around in circles. And Mary's still, I forgot all about Mary. She's, she's still in bed with the covers pulled up all over top of her going, ah! But I didn't rescue her. I just shut the door. Izzy does something. Izzy, Izzy hits the bat out of the air. The bat falls down on the ground in front of Titus. And Titus just starts going. And I'm like, get up. Do something. Earn your keep. Eat it. Do anything, Titus. And he nudges the stupid bat. And the bat, oh, this is him right now. He's trying out for a handmaid's tail. And so he... Some of you will get that later. Some of you won't. That's good. Um, we probably shouldn't show that picture. The, that's, the bat did nothing to cause that. He just had some surgeries this week afterwards. We punished him because he didn't kill the bat. So the bat took off. He nudged the bat. The bat took off. We lost the bat. Anyway, that's the bat story. And I don't even know what that has to do with the sermon other than people are afraid of bats. Um, Maybe not. Maybe maybe you like bats. Maybe maybe this is your fear. Let's put this one back up there. Heights? Anybody afraid of heights? No. How about clowns? Anyone afraid of clowns? Like that gets everybody, doesn't it? Clowns. We're all afraid of something. Here's the point. The guards, the Bible says the guards shook and they became like dead men. They were terrified. Now I was thinking about this. These weren't just the guards. These were Roman guards. These weren't Renacop guides. These were Roman guards. These guys, like the closest equivalent we would have are like Navy SEALs. Roman soldiers at this time dominated the world. When a legion of Roman soldiers showed up, your party was over. They were going to take what they wanted. They were going to do whatever they wanted to you. And, and, and they were just they, they were just mean. They were just, they, no nonsense. We don't mess around. Now, 
at the tomb, there were at least four Roman guards who would have been guarding the tomb. And they're there with shields and their swords and they're just armed, ready for action. They're ready for a fight. Like they're not there like, oh, we're just going to guard this. Like they're, somebody please come. We want to kill somebody, something. Like we're, we're going to get after it. We're going to, like they are ready to go. They are a powerful force. And so what you need to know here is that one of the most powerful forces on the earth, some of the baddest people on the planet, when they came into the presence of God, shook and fell down at his feet. The reason that's so important is because I don't know what kind of fear or uncertainty you might be dealing with today. I don't know what you're going through in life, but here's what I'm going to tell you. Because he lives, because he lives, because Jesus Christ lives, what you fear will ultimately fall at your feet if you'll just keep moving the way Jesus is calling you to move. Because there is no doubt, there is no fear that he can't conquer. There is no enemy that he will not defeat because he is alive. Amen? The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid. Angels always have to tell people don't be afraid because they were always afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified, who was crucified, who was crucified, who was what? Crucified. Those words are huge. Let me, let me set this up like this. You, you ever been physically sore? Like where you just like physically can't move? This past week, um, I was out one day riding my motorcycle and I'm, I'm not sure what happened. It's just one of those just, I don't know, just goofy, just brain dead moments. I don't know. I was, I was turning around in a parking lot and I don't know if I just went too slow or if I went too fast or if I just turned too tight. I'm not sure what happened, but I started tipping over. I started losing control and and I'm I'm going down and I put my leg out like this and just jammed it and, and it's heavy and I'm trying to, I'm trying to hold it up and I'm going down and a friend um, of mine was in the parking lot. We had just been helping me do something else. And, and he heard this all happening. He came running around the corner and, and he rescued me. But, but, but I had like tweaked my hip in, in doing it. I don't know. When I went down, something, something crazy happened. The next morning, when I got, no, when I tried to get up and just get up, my body was like, uh-uh, boy, not today. Like, you're not going to move. I was so sore. It took me like 10 minutes to get, get up out of bed. And then it took me like another two hours to like really stop dragging my leg to where I could get into like a, an okay limp. I was sore. We all know what that's like, Right. I've been sore physically, you've been sore physically, you've ran, lifted weights, done something that pushed you to the the limits physically, but you know what? I would bet there's some people in here right now that if you were to be completely honest, you would say that you're sore spiritually. Maybe something has happened to you in the past week or the past month or the past year. Maybe this time last year, circumstances were a little bit different. Maybe this time last year, circumstances were a whole lot better. Maybe something happened five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. But there are people here today, you legitimately carry spiritual soreness. And I don't say that as a crack because I own my own amount of spiritual soreness as well. But here's what I know. If you feel like you've suffered, if you feel like you've been beat up and you feel like you've been torn down, the reason I would point you to Jesus is because he was crucified. Now listen, I'm not saying that to say, get over it. 
Because at least you didn't go through what Jesus went through. I'm sick and tired of hearing pastors and Christians say that. I'm saying he can identify you with you at every point of pain that you have in your life. Jesus Christ can identify with you with every point of pain that you have right now, that you've had in the past, that you'll have in the future because he was crucified. Listen, when the angel said that to Mary and the other Mary, that, that Jesus is not here, you know, Jesus, the one who was crucified, when he said you, who was crucified, they winced a little bit. You know why? Because they saw it. They watched the entire thing happen. They watched Jesus be arrested. They saw him beaten with a cat of nine tails, beaten 39 times. They say, scholars say that when the beating was finished, they said his flesh was most likely just hanging off his back like ribbons. They saw him nailed to a cross. They saw the nails go into his hands and the nails go into his feet. They watched him hang on a cross for six hours, for six hours in agony. They sat there and they watched him die. They watched after he was dead. They watched a Roman soldier walk over and put a spear into his side. And they watched the blood and the water pour out. They watched all of that happen so that you and I could have a relationship with God. They watched Jesus hang on the cross. The reason he hung on that cross was that so you and I could be made right with God. His blood poured out so that we could live. All so that sin could be paid for. That's why he did it. He was crucified. So the angels told him, you know, the guy you're looking for, Jesus, the one who was crucified. He tells them that, but he doesn't stop there. Aren't you glad the statement didn't stop there? He was crucified. Well, big deal. Lots of people are crucified. Thousands of people were crucified by the Romans. The crucifixion isn't what set Jesus apart. The rest of the verse is. He was crucified. And then it says this. He is not here. He is what? He's risen. That's what changes everything. See, this is where people say, well, Christianity is just the same as every other religion. No, it's not. It's not. Because if you go to the tomb of Muhammad, he is there. If you go to the tomb of a Buddha, he is there. If you go to the tomb of Confucius, he is there. If you go to the tomb of Joseph Smith, his body is in that tomb. But when you go to the tomb of Jesus, there is a sign that says he is not here. He is risen. He's alive. That's cause for celebration. Right, church? He is not here. He is risen. And because he lives, so can we. He's not here. He is risen, just as he said. In other words, dude told you he was going to do it. You didn't believe him, but he said it. Come and see the place where he laid. They quick, and then quickly go and tell his disciples. I heard somebody say this once, and it's so true. The stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out. The stone was rolled away so that we could get in, so that we could have that relationship with God. And we've got to tell people about that. That's why the angel was like, hey, go see, but then be quick to go tell other people. It's pretty amazing, right? Like, think about this. If you went to a funeral and the guy came back to life, you'd be Snapchatting that. You'd be TikToking that. You'd be telling everyone. And that's what the angel is saying. Like, hey, you can come see, but he's not here. He's risen. So quickly go and tell his disciples, he is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. And I love that. I love that. I love the whole thing. He's not here. He's risen. But go, go, go. 
You ever, you ever go somewhere where someone was there, um, but they say they're not there? You, you ever done that? Like, like one time, um, one time when I was a kid, um, we had a bill collector come to our house. You, you ever had that? Um, I don't think they come to the house anymore. I don't, because everybody has guns. And so I don't think that, that happens anymore. Um, but my mom and dad had gotten behind on some bills and the finance company guy, um, came to the house. Now, when they came to the house back then, they were mean. Like they, they were just, they were mean. They were nasty because they wanted their money. And so this guy comes, he knocks on the door. Your daddy home? Hold on, man. Hold on. I'll go get him. I went back and I told my dad, Hey, bill company guy's here. My dad said, tell him I ain't here. I'm like, but you're here. He said, tell him I ain't here. So I went back and I said, he ain't here. This is a true story. I was like, he ain't here. God says, I heard him. I don't know. He ain't here. I don't, I don't know what's going on. He's home. Like, I know, man, but he ain't here. Like, he's here, but he ain't here. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's just this crazy thing. Right here in this text, the angel said he is not here, and the angel is telling the truth. He is not here. He is risen. He is gone. Don't miss this. Jesus came back from the dead, proving we need him if we want to have a relationship with God. For years and years and years, this is what religion has been about. You're bad and you need to be good. You ever, you ever feel like that? Like you're just bad? You go to church and the message is like, message for today. Point number one, you're bad. Point number two, you're really bad. Point number three, you're awful. Point number four, knock it off. All right, let's pray and go home. I remember growing up, going to church, walking out, hearing messages like that, going, man, do I do anything right? I don't even think I can do anything right. I just mess up all the time. I'm just a miserable failure. I don't even know why I go here. This is horrible. It was the drive-by guilting every single Sunday. And that's how it's been in churches for too long in religion. The focus has been like, hey, you're bad. And if you'll do really good works, like if you'll just be good and if you'll just do good, then one day when you die, you get to go to heaven because you're good. Let me tell you something. Good people don't go to heaven. Alive people go to heaven. Your problem and my problem, our problem isn't that we're bad and we need to become good. Our problem is spiritually we're dead and we need to come to life. And the only one that can bring us to life is the one who came back from death to life. His name is Jesus. And so if you're here today and you feel like your life is falling apart, nothing's making sense, or you're trying to do good, but you seem to just keep falling backwards. The reason is, Jesus Christ didn't die on the cross so you and I could be good. Jesus Christ died on the cross so you and I could experience abundant life here on earth and eternal life in heaven. That's good news. Amen? The women, verse 8, the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy. Afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. You ever experienced that? Afraid, yet filled with joy? I, I have. There was one time in my life, and I'm not going to tell you the story this morning, but, but I, I, I've, I've been there. And, and the only way to really explain that is to say, you have to have Jesus Christ in your life in order to ever experience that. Because Jesus Christ is our only source of joy our only source of strength, our only source of hope and peace. It's the only one, only thing that remains constant in our lives because he will never, the Bible says he'll never leave us, he'll never forsake us. 
Listen, if, if you've got your hope in like a political party right now, l- let me tell you something. You're probably uncertain. You're probably scared because you don't know what's going to happen. If you have your hope in anything else, you're uncertain. You don't know what's going to happen. You're probably scared. But if you've got your hope in Jesus, you can be afraid and filled with joy at the same time, even in the middle of intense, intense suffering. You know why? The cross. The cross. The cross is a symbol that when things seem out of control, that there's a God in heaven who's in complete control. And even though things might seem out of control in our lives, the frantic Friday leads to the resurrection on Sunday. Listen, I know a lot of people who want a resurrection, but they're not willing to walk through the crucifixion to get there. You will go through tough times. I will go through tough times. We will experience tough times. But because he lives, because he lives, we can come out on the winning side. That's good news, isn't it? Verse nine, suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshiped him because that's what you do when you see a guy come back to life. You worship him. Then Jesus said, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. This is huge. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. Go to Galilee. Go to Galilee. Tell my brothers, go to Galilee. That's huge. There they will see me. Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers. I talk to people about receiving Jesus all the time. And one of the things that people say to me is, I can't pray to receive Jesus because I'm too afraid I'll mess up. And I always tell them the same thing. You're right. You will. You will. Sorry, man. You'll mess up. We're all going to mess up. Traffic will mess you up. Your kids will mess you up, right? Like we will mess up. Everyone in this room knows what it's like to mess up. Every one of us in this room knows what it's like to fail because we've all, at some point, in some way, shape, form, or fashion, we have all messed up. But I love the fact right here that Jesus uses this terminology, go and tell my brothers. The reason I think this is huge is because this is the same group of people who royally messed up. They abandoned him. Like, let's think about this group of people he's calling brothers. There's Peter, there's Thomas, there's James, there was John. Let's let's think about the things that they had done in the past 24 to 48 hours prior to this happening. Thomas had doubted Jesus. You ever doubted him? Have you? Have you ever doubted Jesus? Have you ever doubted that he'll come through for you? Have you ever been in the middle of a situation and you're so full of doubt that you don't even know if you believe anymore? You ever been there? Because Thomas was there. Peter denied him. Multiple times denied him. Cussed out a little kid, told somebody, I don't even know him. Leave me alone. You ever denied Jesus? Have you? You ever been in a situation where you flat out denied him either by your words or by your actions. You ever done that? James and John are self-centered. Man, on the night he was betraying, they're, they're going through the, the, the Lord's Supper and Jesus has got the cup and he's going through the whole communion thing and he's talking about the new covenant. James and John look at him and say, hey, when you get to heaven, when you get to your kingdom, can I sit on your right side and can he sit on your left side? They were completely self-centered. You ever been self-centered in life? You ever felt like everything was all about you? You ever made a selfish decision? You ever done that? It's so funny to me that the people that doubt, the people who denied, and the people who made the self-centered decisions, we want to banish them, but Jesus calls them 
brothers. He calls them brothers because they're a part of his family. Listen to me. If you're a part of the family, if you're in Christ, you're a part of the family. And if you're a part of the family, you're not seen as a failure. If you're a part of the family, Jesus does not kick out family members. He draws them back in. The reason I would tell you to surrender your life to Jesus is very simple. You need something in your life that will never leave you, that will never forsake you, that will always be with you. Because he lives, he will be there because he's family. Go tell my brothers to go to Galilee. I love the invitation right here. It's so powerful. And the reason it's so powerful is because, don't miss this, it's an invitation to start over. It's an invitation to start fresh. See, these men, Jesus met them in Galilee. He, he walked with them. He mentored them. He discipled them in Galilee. And so when he told them to go back to Galilee, he's telling them to go back to the place where it all started. He's saying, hey guys, I know everything. I know about the doubt. I know about the denial. I know about the self-centeredness. I know about the uncertainty. I know about the fear. I, I know all of that. But hey, let's get a fresh start. Let's go start over. Let's go start new. And the same invitation he gave to them, he gives to us today. And so my question for you right now is very simple. Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Do you have a relationship with Jesus? Has there been a time in your life where you've prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life and you've surrendered your life to him? I'm not asking that you have a spiritual experience one time. I'm not asking you that. I'm asking, did you surrender? And receive his gift of eternal life. Has there ever been a time in your life where you say, you know what? I'm not alive spiritually, but Jesus is. And I need him in my life. And instead of trusting in my works to get me to heaven, I'm going to trust in his works. Do you have a relationship? And when I say relationship, I'm, I'm, well, let me explain it like this. I'll, I'll close with this story. I have a friend that knows um, President Trump. Um, I got a friend knows knows Donald Trump. Um, he has a radio show in Indianapolis, and he interviewed him before he was president. And um, I was I was talking with him one time, and he was telling me all about um, just how incredible it was interviewing him. Like, and think what you want to think. The, the the man is absolutely fascinating, and he was telling me all of the story. They actually talked several times while he was president, um, because my friend had previously been on Mike Pence's staff when Mike Pence was governor of Indiana. And so he had, he had a, a lot of interactions and stuff with, um, with, with Mike Pence and then was able to, to go to the White House and see Donald Trump and do all of that stuff, have interactions with him. Um, here's the point. I have a friend that knows Donald Trump. I do not know Donald Trump. I don't. I don't, I don't know him. I know all about him. I, I'm fascinated by him. I, I can read about him. I can know all kinds of stuff about him, but I do not know him. If I went to Mar-a-Lago today and I knocked on the door, I was like, yo, daddy, it's Ryan, Robbie's friend. We're going to hang out and party today. I'd be escorted off the premises, right? You know why? Cause, cause I don't, I don't have a relationship with him. Like he doesn't, he doesn't know me. Matthew 7, verse 21, the Bible says, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, and I will say to them, 
depart me, depart from me. I never knew you. I knew about you, or I know you know about me, but I don't, I don't know you. See, the reason I say this is because I don't want you to be like the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have seen Donald Trump at a rally and screamed and yelled at the top of their lungs because they were in a room with him, but they didn't actually know him. I don't want that to happen to any of us when we get to heaven. And so my question for you is really, 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 really simple. Do you know about Jesus or do you know Jesus? Is he alive in you? Hey, if not, today's a great day to start over. Because he lives, so can you. Let's pray. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, I want to thank you for everyone in this room. And God, I pray right now that you would do what you've always been faithful to do. And God, that you would speak to the hearts of people who need you. There are people in this room, Jesus, they need to nail down today a relationship with you. Maybe they didn't know what they know now. But right now, there's no excuse for any of us in this room because, God, we all understand that you sent your son to die for us. And he lived a perfect, sinless life. And he went to the cross where his body was broken and his blood was shed to forgive us for our sins. But the story doesn't stop there. He was taken down off the cross and he was put in the tomb. And three days later, he got up and he walked out. And because he lives, so can we. And God, we're eternally grateful for that. Maybe you're here this morning and maybe you've never gotten to a point where you've said, you know what, I need to know him. I don't need to just know about him, but I need to enter into a relationship. People say all the time, you need to accept Jesus into your life. You don't accept Jesus into your life. He accepts you just as you are. We receive him and we receive the gift that he's offering us. And that's the gift of eternal life and life change. So if that's you this morning, if you know like, hey, I want to do this, I want to lead you in a prayer. And it's not a magic prayer. It's not about the words in the prayer. It's about the condition of your heart. It's about you recognizing that you're lost, that you're a sinner, and that you need saving. And so if today, if you'd like to ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you and to start to rearrange your life and to start to, to, to help you, to mold you into the person that he's calling you, that he created you to be, then right where you sit, you just say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. And today I ask you for forgiveness of my sins. Today I ask you to come into my life and save me. Jesus, I believe you died on the cross. I believe that you rose from the grave. And I know you did that for me. So thank you, Jesus. Come into my life and be my Lord, to be my God, to be my King, be my Savior. Today I exchange my life for yours, all of me for all of you. 
And Jesus, I promise from this day forward to the best of my ability, I will follow you step by step. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for walking out of that grave, overcoming death, so that I don't have to experience that. In your name, Jesus, amen. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know because we want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate that you're part of a family. You're part of the family of God. God will never leave you. God will never forsake you. God will never abandon you. And we want you to know that that's what we as a church want to do too. We want to walk alongside of you and we want to help you take your next step. So please let us know.